and welcome to Love in the Time of Everyone, a podcast where we explore how relationships have changed over the past few generations. From how they start to how they end to what we're looking for in our partners, we tell stories about love and all of the breathtakingly beautiful, heart-wrenchingly sad, absurdly messy, and sometimes completely ridiculous adventures that come along with it. I first heard this week's story at a party when I was chatting with my coworker, Susan. So, we're just going to start with Susan. At the time our story begins, she's 27 years old, living on her own in Ohio, and working a good job. Her friend tells her she really wants to set Susan up with this guy she knows, Jack. Susan isn't totally pumped about it. She just got out of a relationship last year, so she's kind of enjoying focusing on work. Plus, this guy's 43, 16 years older than Susan. Oh, and he just got divorced last year. For the second time. Anyway... Her friend makes a suggestion. She said, well, I have this, she was a photographer. I have this art show uh, happening and I will point you two out to each other across the room. So it wasn't like a forced uh, meeting. And she said, if you want to meet yourselves, introduce yourselves to each other. And actually that was kind of nice because it was, there wasn't as much pressure. It ends up going pretty well. Jack talks about his Siberian Husky and Susan, who just has cats, is intrigued. And they go their separate ways, because actually Jack has to get home to feed that Siberian husky. The end. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Just kidding, obviously. A few days later, Jack gets back in touch. And to the listeners, any mystery of what time period the story occurred in becomes hopelessly unraveled. He started faxing me sort of like an itinerary of like, hey, this is going on. You know, maybe we can meet after work and, you know, go to this event or this concert or whatever or or meet somewhere for dinner or drinks. And he just started faxing me this stuff. But it happened like every day. So <laughs> it was like I had an itinerary of all week of what he wanted to do. And it's just like, do you want to come along? And um, at the time, I was like, uh, don't know. But then, you know, I wasn't expecting anything from it. So I'm like, heck, why not? It was, as the old saying goes, the heck, why not? That shook the world. Here's Jack. And I think maybe within a week and a half, we were at a restaurant, and that's when I said, you know, let's go, uh, let's go to New Mexico and get married. Um, yeah, it was just originally to be, the, the, when we first made the plans, it was just to go there for a vacation. But I think about a week before we left, I asked Susan, let's get married, or let's get married out there. So had to make the plans with the Justice of the Peace and everybody else out there and get a, a marriage certificate and all that other stuff. So we just did it. I mean, did that feel crazy at the time? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Now I have to put this into perspective too. I mean, I, I was a little bit hesitant and I actually wasn't sure if we were going to go through this because Jack had been married twice before and I never had been. And I was also worried about, you know, the age difference, but um, he's a perpetual kid, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. It's it, was, it was pretty random. I mean, it was just, I don't know why everything happened so fast, because, you know, I had gotten divorced maybe a year before or something like that, or a year and a half, I can't even remember. But um, it was not looking to get, I was not, look, not looking to get married again, but we just did. I mean, it just seemed like the right thing to do. I had to ask them at this point. I mean, 
hadn't they dated other people before where the first few weeks were really great, but then the butterflies kind of just faded and things didn't work out? Yeah, it felt right at the time, but what made them think it wasn't just temporary infatuation? Back in the 70s, psychologist Dorothy Tenoff coined the term limerence to describe that euphoric, almost obsessive state of adoration for a person in the early stages of a relationship. Limerence usually fades within a couple of years, which you probably know if you've experienced it. If you're lucky, once that excitement fades, you're still left with a lot of love, but who knows? And like Jack just said, he'd already been married twice and had two divorces. So what made him feel so sure this time? I've always had an open mind about everything, and I never predicated anything I did in the present with what happened to me in the past. In other words, I never learned my lesson. But no, I was not. No, no, it just felt right. I mean, you know, I have always been a, per, a pretty impulsive person. So this was an impulse. Just do it. Why, why procrastinate what's probably inevitably going to happen? Just get it done and over with. Okay, I really do admire this throw-caution-to-the-wind attitude they both have, but why procrastinate? I can kind of think of a lot of reasons why. Take the study in the Journal of Economic Inquiry, which showed that couples who date for a year or two before getting married are 20% less likely to get a divorce. Couples who date for three or more years were 39% less likely. Also, I mean, I feel like I could get along with anyone for three weeks, right? Not to mention, Susan's family was understandably a little freaked out. My parents were totally different uh, reactions from what Susan's parents were. My parents knew, you know, I'm their kid, I was their son, that, uh, you know, I'm pretty spontaneous in what I do. And that was, you know, whatever, you know, just that's Jack. Um, Susan's parents, on the other hand, were a lot more guarded and reserved, especially, well, when Susan told her mother and father she was going out to New Mexico, now she didn't tell them we were going there, there to get married. Her mother actually blocked the door from her uh, yeah. leaving the house. Oh, we don't have to tell them that. Yeah, but she was, again, my parents are very traditional European and, you know, oh, you're and traveling with a man. Her mom spread over the door. Not, <laughs> you're not, not, leaving, not the house. leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, you're not leaving the house. But again, I think it was, you know, they were looking out uh, for me and uh, Jack and I have an age difference. And um, he had been married before. So I think my mom was just very skeptical. But they did make it to New Mexico, got married in the lobby of the hotel, enjoyed their reception and called their parents to let them know. Then they moved in together. Again, this is totally my inner cynic coming out, but even if you get along super well like they did, they had the same taste in music and movies, the same family values, both Susan and Jack love animals and the outdoors. I mean, what about the annoying everyday stuff? What if he squeezes his toothpaste tube from the middle? Or she puts her toilet paper on the wrong way? Or one of you snores? Or one of you makes a huge mess in the kitchen every time you try to cook? You get the idea. Here's Susan's extremely level-headed response to my increasingly frantic questions. It depends on the individual. So it, it really does. But for us, I think both of us, at that point when we were in our lives, we didn't want to necessarily go through a trial run. It's just like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. Let's just do it, right. It just all fell together. I think that there's times when we try to analyze too much about certain things in life. And at, at a certain point, you have to, or at least I feel kind of, I think a lot like Jack, where you kind of just have to give it a shot and try. And if it's not going to work, then, you know, oh, well, we, we tried. But, um, right. 
and we're still trying. No, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you <laughs> every no, day, every day, every day is an experiment. <laughs> yeah, never any big emotional crisis or anything. You know, we never. There's never been a major problem that we couldn't overcome. You know, you know, you care for each other, you love each other, and all this other stuff is incidental because it can all be worked out. And it really did work out. Susan and Jack are about to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary and the 30-year and three-week anniversary of when they met for the first time. After they got married, they sorted out all the incidental stuff, raised that husky together, and adopted two more. And we just kept on saying, you know, we're we're kind of weary of living in a, a, suburb, a suburb with these high-energy dogs. We want to go somewhere where there's big, wide-open spaces, which is why we did eventually take the plunge to leave to come out west. So we were just like, we're doing it. Uh, we moved to Montana. Um, I got into dog sledding. Jack got into wildland firefighting. That kind of continues the pattern of the thread, if you will, of our marriage. We've always try to do adventuresome things. And, you know, if one thing didn't work out, we'll, we'll jump in, we'll do another thing. I told them it was kind of funny. They'd gotten together and said they were ready to settle down. But then they'd spent 17 years in Montana, firefighting and dog sledding. That's certainly one way to keep some excitement in your life. They talked about how during this period, it felt like they were living in a sort of permanent vacation, the type of lives their families had only ever dreamt about. You know, again, it's not your normal life. Um, but it was not a normal, you know, marriage or the way things were done. But again, you can overanalyze things and I don't do that. You know, I just don't, I don't think that much. Um, but, uh, you can overanalyze anything. Is this right? Is this relationship going to work? You know, is this the right person? Blah, blah, blah. I kind of always say, just do it and do it. If Jack and Susan aren't going to overanalyze, then I guess I will. What if you're with someone you promise to be married to and love forever, but they're not treating you well? Or you grow apart and realize you want to pursue different lifestyles? Or you just don't want to be married anymore? Susan gave me this analogy about marriage being a commitment in the same way having a job is a commitment. Um, I guess I was thinking it like this. A marriage is a commitment that if you, you know, every day is different, you know, you get up and somebody could be crabby or, you know, whatever, but also to think of it this way is, or I try to think of it this way is, you know, during, we have to work. Okay. And it's like, once you've chosen your career, you get up in the morning, you go to the office, you do what you do, you know, and you don't really have a choice and you have to deal with bumps along the road. Not everything's going to go the way you uh, plan, let's say, with your career. And that's kind of how I see uh, or try approach all commitments. So, you know, my job isn't necessarily going to go 100% the way I want it to. So you have to be flexible and yield or try harder or, um, you know, remedy a situation in a way you never anticipated. And, and that may be with, uh, you know, a relationship as well. Whether you're married or not, there's going to be bumps along the road, and it's what you make of it. You don't always have control of the other person um, and where what their level of commitment or um, you know resolving situations are. But you, as a person, as an individual, can always change yourself, the way you uh, are committed to a relationship, the way you interpret a problem, the way you resolve a problem, the way you may put that other person before you. I appreciated that Jack and Susan were both so open about how marriage can be really hard. Like when Jack said this. 
It is hard. It's a, it's a, it's work. Every day is, is is a challenge, but it's not a challenge that's insurmountable. I mean, there's always ways to, you know, take care of whatever you need to take care of without having to get divorced or anything. You know, you just got to compromise. I had to play devil's advocate for just one more minute. I like Susan's work analogy, but people have to work, right? If you want to eat and have a place to live, you've got to spend some of your time working. Maybe with people you don't always get along with, or in circumstances you don't always like. But it's straightforward enough to get a new job if you don't like it. But getting married means choosing to spend a big portion of the rest of your time, that time at home when you're not working, needing to compromise and help meet the needs of another person, needing to put up with all of their toothpaste and toilet paper foibles. And you've probably heard that statistic that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. As of 2018, it's actually more like 39% of marriages in the United States ending in divorce, which is still not great. Anyway, especially after knowing someone for just a few weeks, why take the risk? You know, and and I don't know, you know, sometimes you wonder, is the institution of marriage um, uh, realistic in our modern times with all of the distractions and ways people can get, um, you know, caught up in social media and meeting other people and, and, you know, the online dating things. And I, I don't know, I don't have an answer for all those things other than if you truly believe in yourself and you find somebody that is willing to make a commitment to you and to the relationship, that's a blessing, that's a gift. And why not go with it? Why overanalyze it? I mean, even if you have, you know, someone in a relationship and, and, you know, maybe it's not serious or it's not committed, it's so much more rewarding to say, um, you know, Jack and I just remembering, you know, all the fun times we had, whether it was in, uh, you know, when we first got married or our adventures in Montana. And it's wonderful to share those experiences to someone that is your life partner. What do you think, Jack? What makes marriage worth it? Well, again, just the the um, companionship and somebody that's gone through what you've done the last thirty years of your life, and you can relate to um, somebody that's there to share things. You know, somebody that's there to, um, you know, if you're feeling lousy about something, that just kind of cheers you up. But yeah, it's 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 just the companionship. And just the experiences that you've experienced together to just remember things by. And, you know, and to look forward in the future of doing things together, planning things, going things, going places, going to these different events, going here and enjoying them, coming back home, driving back home and talking about it or having a beer the next day, remembering what a great time this was. And uh, just, you know, being with somebody who really enjoys being with you. For the most part. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Love in the Time of Everyone. New episodes are available every two weeks on kxci.org. Special thanks to Local Kindergartner for the theme music. The Local Kindergartner EP, Spine, is available on Bandcamp. An enormous thank you to Bridget Thumb, Kathy Rivers, and Gabriella Yadagari. And of course, to Susan and Jack. I leave you today with a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien on marriage. Nearly all marriages, even happy ones, are mistakes. In the sense that almost certainly, in a more perfect world, or even with a little more care in this very imperfect one, both partners might have found more suitable mates. But the real soulmate is the one you are actually married to.
You really do very little choosing. Life and circumstance do most of it. In great inevitable love, often love at first sight, we catch a vision, I suppose, of marriage as it should have been in an unfallen world. In this fallen world, we have as our only guides, prudence, wisdom, rare in youth, too late in age, a clean heart, and fidelity of will.